Welcome to Women in Academia podcast with Irena, where I will interview female researchers to understand the challenges that women in academia are facing today. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm very happy today to have Dr. Jovana Pejovic on the podcast. Dr. Jovana Pejovic is postdoctoral researcher at the University of Lisbon Baby Lab. Hello, Jovana. Thank you for being my guest. How are you? Hello, Irena. Uh, I'm good. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Can you introduce yourself and tell me more about your current position? Sure. Currently, I'm postdoctoral researcher at University of Lisbon, uh, specifically at the Lisbon Baby Lab. Uh, it's a lab that is collaborating with LabFone, that is also a speech perception uh, lab, and it's at the Department of um, Linguistics here. Thank you for introducing yourself. Can you tell me more about your background and what brought you to the research? My background is in psychology. I did a bachelor's degree in psychology uh, back in Serbia. And I did a master that was research in uh, psychology in Serbia. Then I did master in neuroscience of language at the Basque Center of Cognition Brain Language in San Sebastian, um, Spain. And I continued uh, doing my doctoral research there. So I finished uh, PhD. PhD at the same institution. And then um, I started working as a, as a postdoctoral researcher. What brought me to research? Well, even in high school, I was interested in psychology. Then I had the opportunity to uh, be part of a Petnica Science Center that is specialized for young pupils in, in high school. And there we actually were taught how to do research in psychology. That was the first time that I, w- I encountered how uh, uh, research is done in psychology, what kind of methodology uh, is used, and experimental design and research was explained. And this is this was something that brought my uh, attention. So I had it very clear in my mind that I want to do psychology and even more, I want to do research in psychology. So then each step was kind of uh, following the, the previous one. During my bachelor degree, I was interested in um, experimental psychology. I was uh, that moment interested in um, effects of bilingualism, but I haven't had the opportunity to work much on it. So when I moved to do the master in cognitive science of language, then it was the time for me actually to have some, and it, it was an opportunity for me to, to have to conduct research in, in bilingualism. But at that time, I was also very interested in developmental science. I just didn't have opportunity to, to work um, on it back in Serbia. And actually, it was a beautiful uh, mixture and blend for me at that time. So I could do developmental research and bilingual uh, research all in one um, center. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. Can you tell me what are the biggest challenges you have faced and obstacles you have to overcome on your journey? And if you had to start over, what would you do differently? It's a very interesting question. Well, there are obstacles that are common in research and those are more, let's say, specific to to research per se, you know, like being interested in one topic and digging literature about that topic and finding your way how you're going to approach the topic and what kind of methods you're going to use, what kind of analysis and design and so on. But those challenges, um, I would say that we all face and those challenges are fun challenges and they're um, challenges that that are part of our job. 
right? Um, and that's what makes this job so um, interesting and special and, and fun. I would say other obstacles that I, I found were more uh, related to practical side of being in academia. That usually comes at the time of finishing your PhD and starting your academic career after that, because there is uncertainty in terms of finding a job that will be a good fit for you, of course. There is always a doubt whether whether being academia is something that is taking a big toll on your professional and your uh, personal life, of course. And also finishing PhD is a challenge on itself. And I think um, that my biggest obstacle was exactly that, uh, being not, uh, not even to have skills to finish in terms of technical skills to finish. It's more about uh, really uh, facing this mental challenge of finishing one uh, big project, wrapping up what you've been doing for many, many years, uh, giving the perspective that is critical, but at the same time, giving values and credits to your research and at the same time uh, managing and balancing out new research that you're encountering in, in postdoc. Thank you so much. Can you tell me how do you manage your work-life balance? Another very good question. So I think in academia, we have we have this privilege that I think it's becoming trendy also in, in, in other um, fields, not just in academia, that is having flexible working hours. However, these flexible working hours can be actually, you know, another problem or just like um, another side of the coin is that it's very hard to stop working in that sense. So uh, it's, um, especially when you work on your own projects. That means you're developing your own ideas. It's really hard to say now I'm going to stop working on my own ideas and I'm going to uh, do something else that is my personal life. So uh, I, I got carried away uh, and um, analysis will take ages and also because it's something that you're learning so that it's, a, it's a process where you're learning to analyze something or, or to use a new tool or to use a new statistical software and uh, more you want to find more about it so I think uh, that challenge is interesting because with this as I said flexible working hours I think uh, when you have your intrinsic motivation to finish something it's hard to put limits on yourself and and I think other challenges that come with uh, work in academia that are related with this, because it's so hard to be disconnected from work because your, your work is something that are your ideas, whether it's about design or whether it's about literature review, whether it's about um, any kind of um, analysis or, or papers, then uh, because it's so hard to disconnect, we tend to work even during holidays. But when you are in academia, that often means that you are away from your family. And uh, those moments when you have with your family uh, and you don't manage to disconnect from your work uh, seems seems hard and, and challenging for both sides in terms of like you would like to fulfill some of your desires to finish something, but at the same time to, to spend time with your family and your close friends that you haven't seen for a long time. So what I think helps in those moments is to, to be ready that not everything has to be, so we have to, we have to face that um, we just have many projects and our work will never be actually done. So aiming to finish all projects that you started is just too much. So accepting, embracing that we have that kind of job helps. And this is just being clear that this is not nine to five job that somebody would expect. 
totally agree with you. It's so hard to stop working. Can you tell me more about your research? During my PhD, I, I was working on language development in early years. So basically in the first year of life, uh, my focus was on the role of bilingualism in infant speech perception. But specifically, I was uh, interested in what is the role of visual information that is present in speech. That means that when we uh, speak to a, a person and uh, we are comprehending what the person is saying. We, uh, we at the same time, of course, have the auditory information of the speech, but we also have information on mouth movements, eye contact, gestures, and so on. And that's it. that is the information that uh, comes in a package uh, when we are talking about face-to-face -face communication. That is our social communication that is more most common. So my, my interest was, uh, what is the interaction between being bilingual or learning to acquiring two languages from birth and whether whether that population uh, relies more or less or similarly to these visual cues that are present in speech. So um, that was my, my PhD work. Then later on, I, I developed projects that are more focusing on the role of the visual uh, speech information in infant speech processing, but this time, <clears throat> not anymore about different language backgrounds, so monolinguals versus bilinguals, but typical and atypical populations. So whether uh, visual speech information is um, something that processing visual speech uh, information is something that uh, is very challenging for atypical populations, such as infants that uh, have Down syndrome or infants that are at risk of developing any kind of language disorders, whether that means that they have risks because they're related to their um, health or because they have risks in their family. Such a great research. Thank you for sharing. Can you tell me what are your hopes for your future research? Well, I would say that visual speech processing in infancy was neglected for many, many years. What we are seeing in the last, uh, let's say, 10 to 20 years is that uh, infants are processing that information. It is an important information for uh, speech perception, but um, research is still uh, scarce and we have some information on some information on lexical learning, some information uh, about focusing between le different language backgrounds. Um, then we have some information on prosody, for instance, but I think what is missing is kind of a synergy between different areas of research that are tackling into this question, the, what is the role of visual speech in infant language development, then I would say that most of research focused on typical population and information on atypical population is also missing. And of course, we have, as in, in many other fields, we have the issue of dealing with different populations and dealing with different language backgrounds, dealing with different techniques. So what I hope for the field is that there will be a synergy of all of these different aspects of visual speech uh, processing in infancy to give us better overall picture what is actually the role of it in lang infant language development. Great. Can you tell me what are the top issues you see women in academia face today? I would say that academia is still facing unconscious biases that exist in terms of gender biases. And since they're, so, they're unconscious, it's sometimes very hard to detect them. 
And I think what is necessary is to develop strong uh, policies that are going to tackle these biases. So we see uh, more women on leading uh, positions. So we see more uh, women in, let's say, grant reviews, for instance, that are important when we talk about uh, funding and um, more women in, uh, in promoting science. Um, so where we can actually visually see how women can, of course, um, contribute to science, not in the sense of contributing because we are something different, but to, to be present there. And what I would say that is also another issue that uh, women are facing in academia, that comes about evaluating the production scientific production because uh, many women are facing issues with balancing scientific and personal life and we all know that uh, having family is something that takes a toll on your scientific production but since scientific production tends to be or tends to present or represent itself as non-biased uh, in terms of this is the amount of, of research you produce and this is what counts no matter what, what gender you are. But actually what um, is not taking into account uh, whether a woman has to have a break uh, uh, during her uh, scientific production career and that that of course overall can affect her productivity so i'm not sure whether indexes as an age index can really be uh, the the index that is not biased in that sense and i would say that also uh, another uh, problem that is challenging for for working in academia in terms of the life balance is also that our work is specific in that sense that is oriented towards critics and not towards positive feedbacks so uh, since the beginning of your uh, research and let's say uh, design so even being developing the idea what you're going to to do is open and oriented to critics so we uh, that critic can be very positive of course that's how we develop our research right but then we go through collecting the data and analyzing the data and whether we analyze the data in in the right sense is also something that is exposed to critics and then finally when you when you reach the point that you're publishing your research again it goes through thorough review that is constructive uh, criticism as well so it's really hard to actually pick up this positive reinforcement during the long way of doing research that will keep you motivated and actually giving you the feeling I'm doing it right because this positive reinforcement is a little bit late by the time you you published your idea it's been some years it's really hard to reward ourselves in terms of what we are doing that it is good so I think this is another obstacle that we have to find a way to, to deal with and that is basically acknowledging your success on every single step. Yes, the step, uh, step there are many of steps and the ride is a very long ride, but uh, it's important to acknowledge all the little uh, successes that come on our way. Thank you for such a great insight. Can you tell me what is the one piece of advice you would give to a young woman thinking about academia or to a woman just starting out in academia? Definitely, it's necessary to pursue what you're interested in. That is something that it's such a, um, it sounds very generic as an advice, but it's a really profound advice. If uh, you start doing research that uh, might be interesting either for your lab or either for the institution, or it's very hot topic in terms of funding, but it's not really your intrinsic interest, then I think it's going to be much harder to, to do so. And uh, that 
this piece of advice, I don't think it's very gender related, but other uh, advice that I would uh, give is that once you develop your uh, research interest, it's very important to uh, look for a mentor that is going to be sensitive to gender biases in academia. I was very lucky to be uh, supported by great women in academia that were sensitive to these issues. And I encountered full support uh, in terms of being uh, bringing to, to, to my awareness and my conscious all of these biases that, that, that exist and to have a strong um, role model in academia that will help you guide in building your academic career. Thank you for great advice. Thank you so much, Joanna, for being my guest today. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for invi- inviting me. I was very honored to be here. Thank you. Good luck with your research. Thank you. You too. Thanks. That's all for today's episode. Thank you for listening.